What happened to the American passenger pigeon, which was once thought to number in the millions? We'll discuss that today on Footnoting History. This is Elizabeth, and welcome to Footnoting History. Over two years ago, I wrote and recorded an episode of Footnoting History on Tuxedo Park, New York, the town where I grew up. In the podcast, I noted that the community was originally a hunting retreat for the upper class. I also noted that even though there was no official quote-unquote history of Tuxedo Park for children, we all seem to have been imbued with the knowledge of the village, including its founding. One of the ways these stories was imparted to those of us who were children back in the 1980s was through a variety show known as Broadway in the Park, which was put on during the summer by teens and college-age students. They would write up and include short vignettes of Tuxedo Park lore. I, a small child, was brought to repeat performances of these shows because my brothers and friends acted in them. In one of the scenes, my brothers pretended to be the founders and early inhabitants of Tuxedo Park. They mentioned a pigeon hunt and described how the pigeons would be released from baskets and immediately met with gunfire. Sporting? Well, I mean, I guess they could fly, couldn't they? It wasn't until last year when my father-in-law mentioned Martha, the last of the passenger pigeons, and whose mummified body had been on display for much of the last century, that I remembered the story of pigeon hunting and began to look further into why Martha was the last. It had never occurred to me who had spent a good deal of my childhood by New York City and then later lived there, that a pigeon could even be extinct. And yet here we are. Today's episode, then, will delve not only into Martha's story, but the story of the American passenger pigeon. So what is the American passenger pigeon? Well, in the mid-19th century, passenger pigeons were the most common pigeon in North America. The male passenger pigeon was, quote, slate blue with copper undersides and hints of purple, end quote, and the female passenger pigeon was, as is with the way with birds, not quite as flashy. Allegedly, when flying as a group, it could take hours for them to pass fully over a site, and the sky was dark until they were done. The noise as these flocks flew overhead was so much that attempts at conversation were pointless. The passenger pigeons would fly in these massive flocks by the millions, and then they would descend together and devour nuts and crops. I rather picture their arrival as reminiscent of Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. I mean, according to reports, men, women, and children would run screaming for home when the darkening, thundering cloud of passenger pigeons would begin to appear in the distance. But all was not lost upon the arrival of the flocks, however. The passenger pigeon was also an excellent source of protein, and their sheer numbers made striking at them and killing a few at a time easy. I suppose it wasn't shooting fish in a barrel, but for many, it wasn't far off. Following the Civil War, the creation and spread of telegraph and railroad systems that reached across the nation began to usher in the period of decline and eventual extinction for the passenger pigeon. With the advent of these technologies, professional sportsmen could literally be alerted to the locations of the passenger pigeon flocks and follow them. According to Barry Yeoman, writing for the Adabon Society, these hunters did not just shoot their prey. Quote, the professionals and amateurs together outflock their quarry with brute force. They shot the pigeons and trapped them with nets, torched their roosts, and asphyxiated them with burning sulfur. They attacked the birds with rakes, pitchforks, and potatoes. They poisoned them with whiskey-soaked corn, end quote. 
As amateur and professional hunters followed passenger pigeons around the country, the birds' natural habitats were often destroyed. Soon, the birds could not reproduce fast enough to replace the demand. By the 1890s, their numbers were no longer the millions, but rather the dozens. The destruction of the population was so complete that it's believed that we know the last passenger pigeon killed by hunters. Allegedly, it happened in Ohio in 1900 to a male passenger pigeon who was then stuffed, mounted, and named Buttons. Because that's, that's what they used for his eyes. However, even though the joint technologies of the train and telegram helped lead to the complete destruction of wild passenger pigeons, an important movement was beginning to take on steam at the same time the conservation movement. Starting in the late 19th century, conservationists turned their attentions to not just our natural landscapes, but the inhabitants. Zoos became the home to animals once too numerous to count in an effort to help them procreate in captivity and raise their numbers. But in many cases, these efforts largely failed as animals in captivity seemed to lack the the desire, the ability. Whatever it was, they lacked the the ability to successfully breed more of their kind. Martha was one of these efforts. There are conflicting reports about Martha's birth and origin. According to her autopsy, in 1878, a flock of eight passenger pigeons were sent to live at the Cincinnati Zoo, and Martha was hatched there about six years later. But the Smithsonian's entry on Martha states that she was probably born into a captive flock at Chicago's Brookfield Zoo. It is also possible that her mother lived in captivity in the Milwaukee Zoo. What we do know, even if we don't agree on her beginning, is her end. By that point, Martha was generally considered the last passenger pigeon, and due attention was paid. The end of her life was seemingly not a happy one. She lived alone in the midst of the Cincinnati Zoo. According to reports, she rarely moved, and her wings trembled. Eventually, her area was roped off because spectators would throw sand at her to make her move. She died there at age 29 on September 1, 1914, at 1 p.m. Knowing that Martha was the last passenger pigeon in existence, plans had already been made for her afterlife. In the midst of the beginning of World War I, the war to end all wars, Martha, as promised, was packed in ice and shipped to the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. She arrived four days later, and her autopsy was carried out. In our show notes on footnotinghistory.com, I have included the link to Martha's autopsy. Dr. Schufelt, who was one of the team who helped dissect and photograph Martha, was responsible for writing up the report. I'm going to admit that I appreciate his details about the process, including that he was asked to participate via a phone call, that they brought Martha back to his house, and that they paused for a late lunch. Ultimately, Schufelt felt that Martha was a fine specimen. Martha's skin and internal organs were displayed separately. The former was stuffed by the Smithsonian taxidermist, and the latter was put in fluid and kept as part of a, quote, wet, unquote, collections by the Smithsonian. Until 1999, Martha was on display predominantly at the Smithsonian in two exhibits, Bird Hall and later Birds of the Hall. She did get out twice in this period. In 1966, she was displayed in San Diego at the San Diego Zoological Society's Golden Jubilee Conservation Conference. Seriously, say that five times fast. And in June 1974, she returned to the Cincinnati Zoological Gardens for the dedication of a new building named in her honor. Each time, she flew first class, and a flight attendant accompanied her. Quite the step up from being shipped in ice. For a time in the aughts, Martha returned to a special exhibit at the Cincinnati Zoo, and then back to the Smithsonian. 
She even had a song written about her by bluegrass singer John Harold. So why am I telling you all this? How is this relevant to our daily lives? I started by talking about how I never realized the place of the passenger pigeon in American history. It was an aside, a joke to be used during a skit mocking upper-class hunters in the 1890s. So what does that have to do with us today? Well, in 2012, scientists and researchers began working to bring back the extinct passenger pigeon. Concerns have been raised about reintroducing the species into the environment. So what do we think? Is it time to bring back, as a Potawatomi tribal leader described them in 1850, quote, it seemed as if an army of horses laden with sleigh bells was advancing through the deep forest towards me, he wrote. As I listened more intently, I concluded that instead of the tramping of horses, it was distant thunder, and yet the morning was clear and calm and beautiful. The mysterious sound came nearer and nearer, until Pokagon, the Potawatomi tribal leader, deduced its source. While I gazed in wonder and astonishment, I beheld moving toward me in an unbroken front millions of pigeons, the first I had seen that season. End quote. So, are we ready to experience the passenger pigeon here in 2016? This has been Footnoting History. If you like the podcast, be sure to visit our website, footnotinghistory.com, where you can find links to further reading suggestions related to this week's episode, as well as a calendar of upcoming podcasts. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at History Footnote. Until next time, remember, the best stories are always in the footnotes.